with the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota Black State. stretch run to Mostert, gets the edge left, cuts back inside. Raheem Mostert has four rushing touchdowns and the most yards Listening to the Fourth and Gold Podcast with Javi and Fern. Try to do what's right and not be affected by any of that. And it's just been interesting to watch. And sure glad that it's over. I'm glad that we got our guy. I'm glad we feel so good about it. And um, I'm just pumped to get him here. Welcome to Fourth and Gold Podcast. We are back. It's been a while. I was on vacation. You were on an extended vacation. <sighs> sort of vacation, uh, right? Life is nuts. Uh, going on vacation with kids is not really a vacation. It's more stressful than it is anything else. <laughs> Just got back from South Padre. My tan is looking good. You know, the uh, caramel Puerto Rican, as Big Pun would say. Uh, I think I fit the description right now. Fun, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Like you said, it was hectic, man. I was coaching my daughter down in Florida for a week, came back, uh, played in a volleyball tournament myself, spent, but uh, I need another vacation. I took a week's vacation to coach my daughter. And now I feel like I need another week's vacation, just me and the wife or something, or just me. I don't know. But uh, I'm excited, man. We got an awesome one today. So it's like, I'm happy we're back and we got a fun, fun one going on today. Yeah, absolutely. We do definitely have a fun one. This is turning into the... uh, Offensive lineman podcast for the 49ers. So from Joe Staley to Adam Snyder, now we have former 49er right guard Mike Person joins us on the show. We all know Mike Person uh, recently retired um, before the 2020 season. Uh, But let's bring Mike in. Mike, what is going on, buddy? How are you? How is retirement? What's going on? It's good, man. How are you guys? Just, you know, living the dream, chasing three kids around. Like you were saying, vacation <laughs> is not a vacation with three kids. Man. It is not, man. I've got two. I don't even have three, but I have two. And my God, when it's all said and done, I sit there and I, I'm having a drink with my wife. Like, can we go away? Can we, can we do something? Like, It's oh, a never-ending battle. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I have I have two. I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, this past week, it's cool while they're at the beach in the water, but they get back to the hotel. Hotels are way too tight. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I have a, we have two queen beds. It's just like they want to sleep with us. It's like, all right, man. Like, there's another bed over there. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> and I snuck. I felt bad. I snuck out twice uh, at night to uh, catch the uh, Bucks and Hawks game, and then the final um, oh, wow. game six game, or not the game six game five game of mm-hmm. the uh, Suns and Clippers. And I ended up having a few drinks and came back to the room, and the, both kids are on the other bed, so I had the bed to myself on the other one. So it was all right. It worked out. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Mike, you know, former seventh round pick in 2011, uh, you recently retired uh, June 28th of 2020. I wanted to ask you, Jim Harbaugh, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> what is the difference between those two guys? Polar opposites. Polar opposites. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was a rude awakening for me, my rookie year coming into how Coach Harbaugh ran things, you mm-hmm. know. Um We'll, we'll say that it was a rude awakening. Yeah. And then you have Kyle who's on the other end of the spectrum. He's super laid back, but I mean, don't get me wrong. He, uh, he gets fired up now. You want to see him pissed off. You loaf <laughs> on a play anybody, but the way Kyle ran things, I mean, it, those were 
two of the most fun years I've ever had playing football. And that that's any level, not just in the NFL. Whereas my rookie year, I, you know, I first time out of the state of Montana, living in San Francisco, living with Boone and Kilgore. Um, it was, it was a roller coaster. That's for sure. It, it, it was tough on me, but, uh, you know, we, it taught me how to be a professional. So there's always every team I was with, I picked up something and that's what I really picked up from my first time, my rookie year with the 49ers is how to be a professional learning from Joe, you know, it, it, you couldn't ask for a better mentor as a rookie. That's awesome. And talking about that, that journey a little bit, right. So from Montana, um, you know, and going on and, and making it to the pros, you know, you, you talked about a big learning curve, right. That first season going into it, but, you know, talk a little bit about that grind, even from when you started playing football and maybe how you were introduced to the game and then all the way on up through your four years or, or so you your all your playing days, I should say at Montana state and you know, eventually leading up to, you know, an all American, like that prestigious type of award to go into the draft. I mean, seems like you have just continued to climb and climb and overcome obstacles on your way to, you know, a, a, what nine year, nine year yeah. uh, NFL career, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that journey and, and growing up in Montana and playing football. Yeah. I grew up in a town of, 5,000 people, a really small town in eastern Montana, Glendive. Uh, My dad was our head coach at the high school there in town. So I was introduced to football at a young age. I'm the youngest of four. My older brother is six years older than me. So when he was in high school, I was a water boy on the sideline, running around, probably probably not doing my job very well, (laughs) (laughs) trying to play catch on the sidelines. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I was introduced to it, went to practices as early as I can remember with my dad. Um, And then, obviously, high school, then went to Montana State. And if you're from Montana, that's kind of the dream. Either you grow up in a Grizzly household for University of Montana or a Bobcat household for Montana State. And I was lucky enough to go on and play at Montana State. And, you know, the NFL, it was in the back of your mind always, but a kid from a small town in Eastern Montana, that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, you got, you got to be realistic about it. But as my college career progressed and moved on, some of my buddies went into the NFL. I started thinking, Hey, I can, maybe I can try this out for a year or two and see where it takes me. And I was lucky enough to last nine years, like you said, and like you, it, uh, Definitely ups and downs throughout high school, college, and into the NFL, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. So awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you did you did bounce around a little bit, and then you ended up back with the Niners on a, with, you know, 2018 and 2019. 2019 obviously being the magical run. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't end the way we all wanted it to. Um, mm-hmm. Oh. That oh, man, and you had to go there already. <laughs> I, well, you had to, I mean, come well, on. first of all, I've been through. First of all, I've driven through Montana, and that state is ridiculously long because I, I was in the military, as everyone knows. I drove from Seattle to Philadelphia, and yeah. I drove through Montana. That must have been like the longest 12, 13 hour drive of my oh, yeah. life. Oh yeah, um, that's that's one of my favorite parts. Driving through, like nothing. Oh, 
There's nothing. There's nothing. Biggest town is 120,000 people. That's, uh, <laughs> what I was going to say is one of my favorite parts is one of the newspapers back in Montana, when high school playoffs comes around, they chart how far each team travels. Mm-hmm. And there's always a team from like Northwest Montana that has to have a 14 hour bus ride to oh, Southeast Montana. Man. Yeah. Cause it's not as populated. So there's not as many schools that play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just, I just, <laughs> Oh, 14 hours. <laughs> I, I did that drive by myself and that was, it was just miserable. Um, so yeah, because <laughs> when you, when you mentioned how, you know, you meant we, cause you brought up Montana and that was the first thing kicks every time I, every time anyone brings up Montana, I'm like, yeah, I've driven through that place. It's just so, like, wow. <laughs> I So I'm picturing in my head, Mike, like Friday night lights type of stuff, like the town just, they know you go to the grocery store. Maybe they just give you a bag of groceries. Like get them, get them tomorrow, buddy. Like go, like just love, just love their football, high school football. Yeah, they do. It's not quite that intense, but no, they they love their high school ball up there. That's for sure. That's awesome. Um, so, man, twenty nineteen. <laughs> X, you guys start off eight no. You know, you, yeah. you, you guys, you know, we had all, all we all know about the injuries, and everything else. Um, I guess talk about how magical that season was. Was it as special to the, the team, you, um, as it was for the fans? Like, you know, me and Fernando, we've been for oh, we've been for our fans since we were seven, eight years old. You know, for me mm-hmm. and Fern go way back in the day. Fern's yeah. a lefty, he'd pretend he's Steve Young That's right. in our mm-hmm. backyard, and I'd be, you know, Jay Rice or T.O. or whatever, and we just drop bombs to each other. Um, <laughs> was it as special for you guys as it was for us? Oh, most most definitely was. You know, there's after the 2018 season, obviously, yeah. we were banged up quite a bit that season. But we were in most games that we played. So we knew yeah. that we had the building blocks there, that we had something going. So going into the season, you know, I'm not going to say it was Super Bowl or bust, but we knew what our potential was for that season. So once things got rolling, you know, we, I think our first two games were on the road. Then our third one was at home. Pittsburgh. And yeah, Pittsburgh. And we were, we stayed in Youngstown. And I remember some of the guys talking like Joe, because he remembers the days of Candlestick. And mm-hmm. when that year that we went in 2011 to the NFC Championship, that place was nuts, just absolutely oh. rocking. And we wanted to get Levi's like that. And just every single week, every home game, you could just see it growing more and more that atmosphere was coming back that they had a candlestick and like it took some guys to realize like, Holy smokes, this is something special that we got going on here. But you know, this is going to sound like coach talk, but we just took a week by week, but we could feel the, we could feel the energy, the positive vibes that were coming out from everyone. And it, uh, yeah, it, it was a special season and I'll, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. Yeah. You, you brought up 2011 also painful ending. Um, <laughs> Giants game. We don't. There's. It's not Kyle. Uh, it's not Kyle Williams' fault. Everybody. There was a team effort. Everything happens for a reason. Um, the 2011 season. You were there. You're part of that. 2019 season. You're part of that. Um, with the 2011 season, you know, you have Alex Smith. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. What are those? You know, I. I've been critical of Jimmy Garoppolo, but not to the point of where some people think he's terrible and everything else. But yeah. you know, is there? What, what do you think of the difference are between Alex and Jimmy? Like, I, I view them kind of very similar. I just think 
you know, they're they're your they're good quarterbacks. They're going to get you to. They're going to get you a lot of wins. They're going to be consistent. Um, you know, compare. I guess I, I don't. I'm not. If I'm not asking you to compare, but I guess did you like say right? yeah, like, like, how, how are those two guys in the huddle in the big moments? How are those two guys? Yeah, I mean, obviously, my rookie year, I didn't get a get on the field. I was undressed for all all the games, but yeah. You know, during practice, every so often you get in there with Alex, and I was with Alex in Kansas City as well. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's and right. I mean, he's just a dude that's he's a special human. Alex truly is the first person. I mean, I I was a seventh round pick in 2011. He didn't have any reason to get to know me. First person that comes up to me when I signed with Kansas City was Alex. Like, wow, he had no reason to do that, but that's just the type of human he is, and. You know, Jimmy, he's he's the same type of guy. He really is. So their their in huddle demeanor was pretty similar. You know, Jimmy would get fired up and that that was we'd always get a chuckle listening to Jimmy try and yell, but (laughs) 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 but no, he he'd get us going and I mean he he led that team. He did. I mean, you have your Joes, your Kittles of the world, but Jimmy, he uh he he was a heartbeat of that team and he uh he led us through some tougher moments during that season but pulled us through oh man so just i'm thinking about 2019 and thinking about you know even with you had mentioned the year before you know injuries but still seeing that you had a special team kind of if we could just get right and get healthy and uh, we could do some damage now you know 2019 and you guys weren't it's not like no one got injured in 2019 i mean it seemed what I thought was amazing was we were out there. You guys were out there competing, winning football games. And then every single time someone else had to come in and they just step right in, it was like plug and play. And then that guy would go off or, or, mm-hmm. you know, went and handled himself. And you talk about just the versatility. I think that's one of the things that makes you so special uh, was your versatility on the offensive line to be able to go tackle guards, even center, mm-hmm. um, you know, so speak to like, how does that, how does that happen? How do you how do you get those kind of reps at all those positions and then be able to do it at that kind of at the, the NFL level? I mean, that's just that's, that's, I think that's so amazing that you were able to plug and play almost anywhere on the line. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Kyle and the way he runs his offense, because the block that the tackle do, is doing is the same block that the guard is doing. The center is a little bit different, but the way that Kyle has everything structured, that is that you can plug and play like that. And he sets guys up to be in the most successful positions possible. Obviously, if you get five of your 11 offensive starters hurt out at one time, then that's going to be tougher. But if you have two or three guys that are plugging and playing in there, then the offense should be able to operate just how it has. Maybe not up to the standards of the first 11, but still at a really high standard. And that all goes back to the way that our offense was structured because every guy knew his role. And then when it was your time, nobody just said, oh, oh shit, this guy's playing. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, ne- truly, truly, and I mean next it, next man up. man up. And we had that confidence, whoever the next man up would be. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think as fans, we I think we got nervous every week. Like, you know, <laughs> Joe gets out. Joe break, You know, Joe told us about, you know, him breaking his leg or Cincinnati. Yeah. And here comes uh I think it was school or Brunskill that game uh yeah. comes in and then I'm like, Oh crap, here we go. And then yeah. McGlinchey gets hurt in the Browns game 
Mm-hmm. Here comes school or Brunswick, one of the two. And then you guys constantly rotating the line. Yeah, and, uh, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, Richburg tears his patella tendon versus Saints. And it's just like, yeah, crap, you know, can we catch a break? And it just, the team just kept going. And I think we, we saw that, you know, you mentioned it early on um, in the season. The, the guys felt it like, hey, there's something special here. And it just wasn't yeah. – there was nothing derailing this this train. You know what I mean? And they were yeah. going forward. Um, I think the game that people talk about the most – well, not the most, but I think it's one of the games that I really remember about that 2019 season was the Mud Bowl, and you have the <laughs> the greatest photo, is um, easily, um, <laughs> of that game. We used it for the pod cover, but yeah, talk about this this Mud Bowl versus Washington for those of you guys who don't that. remember. Look at that, Mike has Gladiator. several photos like this that are just absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. You're very photogenic in all of these. And uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this game because I remember watching this game and the ball looked like it was super heavy, hard to throw. Um, you know, Jimmy made some really good plays in that game. The offensive line did his thing, you know, with the run game as much as you guys could. Obviously, Kevin yeah. Coleman had himself a really good game, but it, it, fe- it felt like there was like four or five inches of rain on the ground. Oh, I, I think it started raining at like midnight and FedEx Field is notorious for their drainage, like notoriously bad. And we got there. I went out in my normal pregame walk around the field, and I mean, I'm just squishing every step in <laughs> two inches of water. I'm like, oh boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. So, all of us we busted out the old school seven studs, get as much traction as we could, and for that that picture, I it was. Uh, an interception. I was trying to chase it down on the sideline, on our sideline, and I ended up getting credit for the tackle too because I touched him as he was going out of bounds. <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I dove and just slid across, and I think Lakin did the same thing. His face was covered with mud too. <laughs> yeah, and they just got me as I was going back to the bench. I mean it. Weston hands me a water bottle. He's like, get all that shit off your face. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I wipe my face and there's a bunch of mud. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that game was that game was ridiculous. God. Oh yeah. Rewatching that, I was watching a little bit today. And like you said, I mean it, it honestly just looked like a like a like a baby pool. Like you guys are yeah. just stomping around ankle like deep in water. Just like, yeah, unreal. It was it's so neat to watch, but I was all I kept thinking about was between the O line and the D linemen, like how the hell did you guys keep like leverage and use those legs when you people couldn't you couldn't run? Everyone was sliding all over the place, and you guys are just in there battling, and you see the splashes mm-hmm. coming up, and you could tell from the camera it's just it's dumping out there. It's just like damn, that it was. And all, I mean, as a kid, you think of backyard football, and as soon as it starts raining, you want to go out and get your friends oh, to yeah. play, and just looked like an awesome. Just yeah. a cool experience. Now thinking back, I'm sure at the time you guys were like, "The hell, we got to play in this shit right now." Like, <laughs> and that goes to what uh, I tell my guys that I work with, my high schoolers. Like, we might not have the easiest drill; might be doing something hard. I tell them, "Get used to being comfortable. Get used to being comfortable being uncomfortable." Yeah, because right. not everything's going to be in an indoor facility with nice turf it's going to suck. It's football. That's what makes it fun. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's why you're playing. You're playing a little kid's game that you get to run and hit people. And, you know, so it's just fighting through, I don't want to say fighting through, but 
everybody has to deal with it. Whoever deals yeah. with it better is going to come out on top. I mean, that was a grind. Was that nine Oh, or was it, was it yeah, nine nothing? Nine nine nothing. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. you know, field goals yeah. and, Oh man, yeah. that was, a, um, that was rough. <laughs> my favorite from that game is, so I don't think it's on the coaches film on NFL game pass, but our film crew, they had the, the wide angle from up top, the all 22 angle. And, after that final sack on defense, they left it running for about 45 seconds. And you just see dudes doing cartwheels. The entire defense <laughs> goes and does a slide into the sideline. <laughs> yeah, I can just remember that, that Bosa sack at the end. And then he yeah. just then slides off. And, yeah. man, that was crazy. What a game. So, uh, Mike, you said it. Uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um you know, questions that I, I – question I had and someone already asked it in here um, – Who's the hardest guy to block in the NFL? You know, you played all up and down the offensive line. You know, this guy's asking Aaron Donald or Chris Jones. I mean, you had Nick Bosa in your own training camp, DeForest Buckner, yeah. Eric Armstead, and D. Ford in that 19 season. Yeah. Where do these guys, you know, I'm sure you played against other, you know, other greats. You know, I know you you were you were you were in Seattle for a little bit. There's Michael Bennett, there's Cliff mm-hmm. Averill, all those guys were there. You know, who mm-hmm. who's Who's one of the toughest? I think Aaron Donald is probably going to be on everyone's list, but who else sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, obviously Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, both of those guys are phenomenal players. Aaron is so sneaky. If you have two inches of weight outside, he'll feel it and he'll go right inside. I was lucky enough during training camp to uh, – well, I shouldn't say lucky enough because – Oh, you had Justin Smith, Ray McDonald. Yeah, Justin Sobolaga, was – all those guys. Oh, man. Justin, Justin. was – freaking amazing that, that, guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, boy. that was my holy shit moment as a rookie we were okay. first day in pads had one-on-ones and justin's going against you potty big mike oh my god i'm sitting back i'm thinking oh mike's got this you know big six six 340 pound dude who moves so light <laughs> on his feet I know Mike's got this. And then I just see Justin run right through. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in 18 and 19, during practice, mainly DeForest went against Lakin. And those two had some battles. So at times I was lucky on third down stuff during practice to not go against him. But I was also unlucky because I had to go against Eric, whose arms are freaking 10 feet long and once he gets them extended my short little t-rex arms can't get on him but uh, <laughs> no nah, uh aaron i mean i i aaron and defo are up there they really are absolutely those, those two are special players special players i love that and just just hearing you talk about you know aaron recognizing leverage so quickly I think one of the big things that, that gets lost between, you know, especially offensive linemen is, you know, people, especially the, just the average fan just watching, just think these are just big guys and they just hit people at the line. But there's so much more that goes into mm-hmm. it from a leverage and technique and footwork. Do you mm-hmm. do you think the same thing? Do you find that the average person watching the NFL doesn't really recognize all the skill that's involved and it's not just being big and strong? Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, I get it with high school parents for guys that train they just want their guys to be big and strong I'm like no you have to freaking move you have yep. to teach your kid how to move because if you can't one you're at a disadvantage you're going backwards that d lineman who's faster than you is going forwards so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 
yeah, you have to be strong, but you also have to move laterally. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things that go into it. You know, we, we'd watch film and after games and that would take three and a half, four hours getting through wow. five guys because every single play, there's a technique adjustment that you need to do. I've never seen someone have a perfect block. Never mm-hmm. seen it. I mean, there's been guys who are really close to doing it, but there's always something that you can improve on. So it's it's kind of like a chess game once you get into the game because you come up with your game plan of not just how your team's playing the other team's defense, but how you're going to attack the guy that you're going against. So the really good ones keep you on your toes, and that that's what makes it so hard. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think another thing it's – there's the run blocking aspect of it too. You know, um, you had the, you know, you worked with Frank, obviously in 11, mm-hmm. you had Marshawn in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say you had Frank again, Mindy. Yep. Uh, Kansas city was Kareem Hunt, if I'm not mistaken. And then of course the Niners were uh, obviously Tevin, mm-hmm. um, Brita, uh, mm-hmm. Mostert, you know, is there a particular running back that you prefer to block for over others? You know, cause I mean, Raheem seems like he hits the hole and he's gone. Yeah, Kevin's a little more patient. Frank yeah. obviously is very patient. You know, he waits yeah. for the hold, of, and then Marshawn was obviously just a monster. Yeah. So, <laughs> is there a particular style of running back you like to block for? Because I mean, I, you know, we when I talk, we talked to Joe, I asked him about Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. He's like, man, I didn't care what Colin was doing back there. He was making plays anyway, so it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a particular running back that you know sticks out, or is there a particular style of running back you rather block for? You know, I, I was lucky to play with a bunch of them a bunch of really good ones and the ones that really gets us going on the line is the ones who run with their pads, with their hips behind their pads. You know, yeah. they're not afraid to take it downhill. It, Raheem will get that way when he's really feeling it. Jeff Wilson was so much fun to block for. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he fun. did not give two shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah, let it fly, Mike. Care. You can let it fly. Awesome. Jeff was really fun to block for. Tevin's fun to block for because he's so damn fast too, but really patient. You know, those those are the type of guys that really get an outline going and make them start feeling it when, you know, the, there might be two inches of space. Well, they're going to make a hole for you and make you look good, get four yards out of it. You know, they're not back there dancing around like, I don't know. But they just <laughs> they stick their foot in the ground and they go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Le'Veon is one of those guys. He's kind of dancing in the back. Shady McCoy would dance in the back and then take off. No, I get it. That makes sense. Um, I guess, you know, there's a lot to get to. But the, the biggest one is a lot of fans wanted me to ask about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know how 2019 ended. The Super Bowl, you know, what was that week like getting going into it? Um, or actually before then, what was it like to run all over the Packers in the NFC Championship? Let's get to that. <laughs> yeah, one. that's a good one. I like that. Uh, that was that was really nice. I tell you what, holy smokes, you don't get many games like that in the NFL, and to do that in the NFC Championship, I mean, God, that was that was fun. That was oh. one of the most fun games I've ever played. And you know, in in the questions here, that is actually a really good question. Was there a noticeable difference in crowd noise level from Candlestick versus the Saints? Versus Levi's versus the Vikings or the Packers? I don't think so. I mean, pretty loud, it, huh? Yeah, it was pretty loud. You can, and I know Levi's is a lot more open than Candlestick was, but mm-hmm. it was pretty darn loud. And for players, it's not so much the noise level that gets to you, 
It's the energy of the crowd where I don't know if that makes sense, but makes sense. Yeah. Like Seattle gets loud. What really makes that place special is when the energy of the crowd matches that noise level. And that's the way Levi's was Levi's during the playoff run. I mean, you could feel it pregame, you know, it's already 60% full. I mean, there's 20,000 people on the sidelines, but, and they have the speakers right there. You can just feel the energy going. And then you have those sleepy Sundays with the one o'clock kickoff and, you know, everyone's kind of lull that sometimes that lulls guys to sleep a little bit. So the energy of the crowd is what makes playoff football in general. So special. I can't even imagine the goosebumps. Just I can't afford rocking. Like I just, yeah, you're right. I can't either, but, <laughs> but I want you to know, Mike, I'm in the house, whether it's one o'clock or four o'clock, I'm cracking my beer open and I'm getting loud and I'm, yeah. I've got my little kid next to me with a towel and we're just, we're getting nuts. We're, I can't even watch it with other people. Like I got to yeah. keep it in house. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a friendly guy when no question once it gets, once so, kickoff hits. Mike, funny story. <laughs> me and Fernando finally got to go to Candlestick Park and we got to sit next to Richard Sherman's uh, brother and yes. mother and the guy mm-hmm. talking shit to Richard Sherman's brother and mother is Fernando. The entire not his mother, not his mother. No, I was very respectful, and I was respectful to Richard's brother as well. I, uh, but we had, you know, we had a little little conversation back and forth the entire time, and he was sitting behind me, and uh, we just kept going. I don't even remember. What, I mean, at some point, it was just like you, you know, Seattle's going to win this, and I'm like, nah, they're not. Let's put a beer on it. And we we bet a beer, but he took off. As soon as, as soon as it was over, he took off. I didn't get that beer. And uh, I just remembered my only line, crap talking line to this guy was, listen, all I know is you're Sherm's brother and you're sitting next to me, bro. I just want you to know, I just flew across the country. You're sitting next to me, man. Like you're not up there. You're not down. Like you're sitting next to the dude who's broke, who flew across the and uh, he didn't say much to that, but 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 Mama Sherman, I never said a word to. I, I said yeah. hello. I said hello. She had a nice leather jacket that said Sherm's mom on it. It was yeah, it was something, man. And to think then he became a Niner, and I he was one of my most hated athletes. Uh, yeah, until he came over, and then you just realize the difference between when he's your rival and he's in your face, and then when you see you see him out there and just he's like a good a good dude who yeah, uh, plays hard. I mean, so we we ran into another question, you know, Sherm in 2000, you're a Niner in 2011. Sherm is a not you played with him in Seattle and then he's a uh-huh. Niner. Is what is the what was the difference? It how so? Like in 2012 you had him in Seattle. Was he Oh yeah. You know, no, I was the same dude. He's okay. the exact same dude. It, it, same way I told the story about Alex when I first got to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. One of the first people when I first came back to San Francisco was Sherm to come up to me. I mean, okay. he's just that type of dude. He's awesome. such a good human being. I mean, great teammate. You know, he got a bad rap early in his career because he's very boisterous. You know, he talks shit, but he, he backed it up. Oh, but off the field, I mean, he's such a good dude. Such a good I, dude. I think I only disliked him for one season, and that was the 2013 like season. Yeah. Then after that, that, I was just like, it's like, you know what? The pick after the pick, Javi? Yeah. He's got to respect it after that. It's like, you know what? He's that he good. I mean, it up, you know? yeah, I mean, he's that it good. Is what it is. No question. Uh, <laughs> but we completely skipped over the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it ended the way it ended, but that, I guess, 
what was that week like? And then, of course, the game itself. I know it didn't it didn't end the way we all wanted it to, but the week leading up to it was it just super crazy? How did Kyle get you guys ready? You know, what was what was yeah. all that leading up to the Super Bowl like? So that that first week, the week right after the NFC Championship game, that was our really hard work week, like our yeah. normal in season work week, and that I think that's pretty common for most teams. I feel because once you get down there, I mean, it's chaos. You have many obligations that you would never do during the season or just in the playoffs in general, you know, like Monday night, they have the, what is it? The big festival thing. Yeah. And that, the media availability or whatever. Yeah. That, that thing's nuts. And then Tuesday is your off day, but I think we might've done a little bit of something. I mean, we were locked down in that hotel and, for good reason because it's just <laughs> chaos but then every single night once you get done with practice and film at six o'clock normally you're done mm-hmm. well you have to go sit in a big conference room for an hour and have media come up and talk to you which i get it i mean it's the biggest sporting event in the world mm-hmm. but you it's tough to keep your eyes focused at times on it because you know, you go through the week, it's Tuesday, Wednesday's normal practice day, media stuff afterwards. Thursday's normal practice day, but that's when family starts showing up. So then you have to go say hi to family. Not that having your family there is a burden, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just one extra distraction after another during yeah. that week. And I was lucky enough my family didn't ask me to do anything. And I went out to lunch with my wife once during the week and you know because she knew that this was this was it you know this is what you play for your entire life and this is what you got to do now celebrate afterwards was a lot of that kind of that focus was that kind of an internal like players holding each other accountable like oh you better get yourself in there get like don't get crazy let's stay focused on the prize or you guys seem like you had so much great leadership all across the board that it wasn't even going to be an issue that you guys were all locked in yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, across the board, we had so many good leaders that guys, like I said, guys knew that this is what you worked for your entire life is to go to the Super Bowl. You know, it, and you've been twice. You've been twice, Seattle and San Francisco. Once. Oh, okay. Cut from three Super Bowl teams. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm looking at the list. I'm like, wait, 2013, you were there with Seattle too. So I was like, okay. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's just the chaos. And then, you know, you have to wear your credentials around at all times when normally you just go into your hotel, go to the meeting yeah. rooms. If you don't have your credential, they'll kick you out of the hotel. Oh, wow. And then you have to call your security team and like our head of security. And he'd come and say, no, this is who he says he is. And they'd send you up to your room, go get your credential. Then. So you'd be late if you didn't remember it. So yeah, it's how, just pure chaos. How, how was it putting on that fresh Super Bowl jersey and then walking out to the field and national anthem and all the fans? I mean, how what was that moment like? I mean, I I I get goosebumps when you guys were out there watching it. Like, oh my gosh, my team's back in the Super Bowl and here we are again. And I can't even imagine you going through the whole season injuries ups and downs and then you're standing there on the sideline on on Super Bowl Sunday while the national anthem's going and whew, I can't only yeah. imagine I mean it it was a special feeling you know oh, it, even in the moment it'll bring a tear to your eye um just okay. cuz you know you think back on 
all the shit that you had to go through, all the stuff you worked through, and you know, being able to be on that sideline during that game, it's for most people, none, none in a lifetime. I yeah. was lucky enough to do it once, and I mean, that's that's another thing with the Super Bowl is pregame warm up is longer, halftime is a lot longer, um, so. It's nice having guys on the team who had been there before to walk you through it beforehand. But yeah, I mean, it's still tough to think about for me, but it is always going to be a special memory. Can't wait to tell my boys once they understand what it means. Yeah, right. that's got to be awesome. Um, wow. You know, you, you know, you, you start the Super Bowl great, you know, and uh, it feels awesome walking on the field. And then the walking off, what was that like? You know, I, I know I was. I'm, I'm a fan. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys worked your ass off to get there. What what is that like? You know, that just the the, the loss. You know, what I mean, like, is that some yeah. that you know we we we've heard. I mean, Joe Joe mentioned that he's like, it's like, man, I've been to two, lost both. It, it just sucks. You know, what what is that like for everyone? Deals things differently. What what was that like for you after the game? You know, it was just it, it was pretty tough. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I told you. Three months later, I was over it because I wasn't. I'm not over to, it. <laughs> to this day, like, I still – I'm a big hockey guy. Okay. Um, and obviously, Stanley Cups right now, I won't watch the trophy. I won't watch the last 20 seconds of Game 7. Oh, just because wow. seeing a team celebrate just kills me like that. Hmm. Wow. So, afterwards, it was tough. It was brutal. But I was lucky enough to have my family there and be able to – go back, hang out with them and, you know, that fixed some things. But I did, we were living, actually living in Kansas city in the off season during the oh, time. Shit. So oh, I, uh, Fuck. yeah. What? <laughs> no, you just can't get away from it. Now you got to exactly. go. Oh. And I was, we were going to ship my truck back from, uh, from Santa Clara to Kansas city. But I was like, no, I'm just going to drive, try and clear my head for three days. And, that was like the most brutal three-day drive ever, not just because of the distance. I love driving, but yeah. just because I couldn't get out of my own head for three straight days. Oh. Man, I can't imagine Kind of backfired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you know, we're up 20 to 10. I got a text message from my brother. He was like, it's over. It's over. I'm like, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Did you guys feel any, like, momentum shift? Did you, you know, did you, you thought, I mean, no one ever gets ahead of themselves, but. How how confident were you guys at that moment? Like, all right, twenty ten, we got one of the best running running games in the league. You know, Jimmy's pretty efficient tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you what do you how do you how do you remember that? You know that that segment there. Yeah, we just I just kept on remembering us talking on the sideline. Just got to get first downs, keep draining it, keep draining it. Because yeah. I mean that's what Pat does so well. I mean, yeah, dude's a phenomenal quarterback, and. Unfortunately, we couldn't convert in those key situations. Yeah. Um, hate to sound like a coach right now, but uh, I'll talk that, it, it's just it's just tough because you know we we had them on the ropes. Yep. We're, we're right there, and you know, just maybe two more first downs, and it's a different story. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I know? think that's the thing that's what me and Fern have com- concluded. You know, you, you convert two first, it's probably over. Yeah. Um. And uh. You know, after the Tavares more interception, I'm like, oh shit, here we go, here we go. 
Um, but you know, the Super Bowl, it's it is what it is. It's over. It's it's done. You know, it's yeah. great. Twenty nineteen was an excellent season. What was the highlight of the twenty nineteen season for me as an Iron fan? I think the the Jimmy Jimmy rollout touchdown to Kittle against the Rams was probably well that entire drive. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember with like seven mm-hmm. minutes left or whatever versus the Rams. Uh, the first play, I want to say Kittle is lined up as an H back mm-hmm. through the offensive line. Has that really? I don't. I don't even know what the hell the route was called, but <laughs> Kyle had to hide him somehow so he can get yeah. open. Um, and then he, he Kittle, uh, Jimmy hits uh, Dwelly on that rope. You know, it's one of the one of the times where I was like, oh shit, Jimmy put some oomph behind that. He, he threw it in there, and mm-hmm. then the Kittle roll out touchdown. I think was like the highlight of the season. I'm like, okay, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like we're not yeah. losing. We're going to the bowl. Yeah. Um, what was the highlight for you in that 2019 season? Oh. I don't know, probably that fourth and two in New Orleans. Yeah. Kittle. I mean, that, oh. that that's where we all started to feel like this is something special. Yeah. Because plays like that don't happen. And lucky enough to have George on the team. But, I mean, that that play, I think, really started to springboard us into our thoughts of, hey, we can do this. We can do this. You know, we can – we just went toe to toe with the Saints. I think they had the one seed at the time. Yeah, you guys took over after that. Yep. Because the yeah. Ravens game was the week before. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We stayed in Florida that week. Mm. Um, and that, and then uh, Dre's tackle against Seattle. I was just gonna say that's mine. Is like, I mean, we had some awesome moments. Even Emmanuel Sanders' uh, big play was it against the Rams? Was that to yeah, to beat the Rams? Yeah. Like that was big for me, but. But that tackle right there at the the one, or yeah. like my God, I was like, yes, like get the monkey off the the back. So like get a win against Seattle. That was big time. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. That had to be crazy being on the the sideline for that one. Did you think he was in? Did you or were was everyone freaking out or how did that? Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was in at first. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was so pissed every, off. Oh they my called him down, and everyone's celebrating that we won. I was thinking in my head, like, hold your horses, guys. Yeah, yeah. He might be What's, in, but sure shit, he wasn't. Seattle's <laughs> a weird place, man. I I used to live up there as well, and uh, yeah, Seattle always finds a way to. You know, that last five six minutes of that game, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. Um, but you know. E-Man so. comes in. He makes a couple of really sweet plays. The Fred Warner pass breakup. Then they, they try this nostalgic thing, and then they get with Marshawn Lynch. They get to delay a game. I'm like, oh, thank God. Way to yeah. go, Pete Carroll. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, something, something real quick that I wanted to ask you before we get into, you know, what you're doing post-career. Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner. You've played with all four of these guys. And I think those are probably the, in my opinion, right now, probably the top four linebackers of the last ten years. You know, Luke Keekley's yeah. in there, um, yeah. Demario Davis, those guys. Is Fred? I guess because Fred is the youngest. Of, obviously, Fred is the youngest of them. Is Fred in that those guys tier? Has he reached that peak, that point yet? If he's not, he's damn near there. I mean, okay. if he's not, he's damn near there. It's, so I, yeah, Fred was a rookie in 2018, and. You could just see him coming along. I mean, as with any rookie, there's there's going to be rough spots, and you could just see him coming along. And then 2019, he shows up for camp, and I mean, the dude was just changed his body type, and you 
you could tell like he's going to have a pretty good year. I mean, he had a phenomenal year. All pro Fred, pretty baby. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he's he's right there if he's not in that group. I think he is, personally. I mean, the way he plays sideline to sideline, he, he's a damn good football player. And they they got a steal when they picked him up. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> I love Fred. Um, and then I, I guess, you know, everyone, like, everyone wants to hear from former players about the state of the 49ers. You know, the Niners traded up to three to take a quarterback – um, we all know Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the Niners. He's been successful when he plays. Um, what do you What do you make of the competition? Do you think there will be a competition? Where do you Where do you What do you think is gonna What do you think is the best course of action for the Niners in twenty twenty one with the I mean, that? Jimmy's your guy, obviously. You know, yeah, I, I love Jimmy. But what I was gonna say about Kyle is he's a lot more like Bill Belichick than people realize. Yeah. Mm. I can agree. You know, they're, I think they're actually pretty close friends. Um, but so Kyle's going to do what's best for the 49ers, you know, and he's not going to tell anybody that you're the starter just because you're there. Mm-hmm. You're the starter just because you're the third pick. He's going to do the best thing for the 49ers. That's why in 19, I, sat out those last two regular season games of the year because that was what the best thing for the 49ers was, was for Brunskill to play and me to get my neck right. Um, So there will definitely be a competition. It will be interesting to see how it unfolds. And, you know, I I really think there's no need to press a panic button from fans because this team is built just like we were in 2019. Last year they got the injury bug really bad, uh-huh. and I'm I'm pretty excited to watch them play this year. I am. I think it'll be a fun season. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! I think we're all hoping for a very fun, fun season. Hey, just um, go ahead, real me. fast, just since we're talking, we t- spoke about Coach Shanahan for a second. So you you had spent some time with him in Atlanta as well, right? Mm-hmm. So just in terms of his demeanor or style. Um, mind you, obviously the titles are two different titles, right? Two major, you know, very mm-hmm. different titles. But did you see a noticeable change in how he goes about his business? Or is it the same guy, whether he was an OC or a head coach or, you know, whatever he might be? Is it the same Kyle that, that you remember it, from Atlanta as well? Yeah, it's the same dude, same guy. I mean, he's super detailed, super laid back. But like I said, he's not afraid to get on you if you're not cutting up what what you need to do. Um that's but awesome. yeah, same dude. And I mean, you, you, you guys hear him talk. That's how he talks to us. I mean, just super <laughs> laid back. Listening to him during training camp, because we'll have like 40 minute team meetings that are scheduled to be 10 minutes. But he oh, goes God. over by a half hour because each day is basically like football school. He wants to teach you the whole game. Listening to him talk about coverages and how defensive play, I'm like, how the fuck are you not a defensive coordinator? Yeah. This is a brainchild, man. He's just – I love Kyle, kid. man. I, love I can only imagine. He's awesome. He is. Oh. Yeah, Kyle is um, – Kyle takes a lot of shit on the internet, Twitter. I don't know if you've been on Twitter long enough. You'll see fans of bitch about him. It's like, all right, man. Look, we had Jim Tomsula. We had – and no, no disrespect to those guys and Chip Kelly, but – you know, Kyle is something special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle's in the top five head coaches in the NFL, regardless of the record. It's just 
you know, injuries have hurt this team, you know, mm-hmm. you know, God bless CJ and Nick, but they are not, you know, they're not starting mm-hmm. quarterbacks and Kyle has said as much. So you got to give Kyle a little bit of a, a little bit of a break here, but you can see that this team is competent. You mentioned it 2018, you know, you still had CJ and Nick playing, mm-hmm. but we were in a whole bunch of games. You guys, we should have mm-hmm. won a whole bunch of those games, mm-hmm. but you know, that's a lot of that's coaching. Kyle's excellent at that. Um, now you have gone and turned into a coach. Um, yes. You are now uh, running what is called Five Dots Offensive Line, um, offensive line ta- excuse me, Offensive Line Academy in Columbus, Ohio. Um, talk to us about what brought you to this. You know, what made you want to do this? You know, we like I said, we've had Adam Snyder on. He runs Vital in Arizona. Yeah. Um, what is what's the what's the short term goal and long term goal of, of Five Out or Five Dots? Excuse me. So. What out like I love being a player in the NFL. What my ultimate dream was was to be a coach, whether in college football or the NFL. That's what my ultimate dream was. But after talking to my wife, I mean, I played for seven teams in nine years. I've made her move around too much with our kids as it is. So if I get into coaching, then that's just a whole another cycle of moving around. So. I figured that this would be the best way for me to stay involved with football. Um, And what I want to do is pass on all the techniques that I've learned throughout my career from college to NFL and pass it on to this next generation um, of football players here in central Ohio. Cause one, the football here is really good Two, When I started this up, there was nothing like it um, in central Ohio. You'd, you'd think that there would be with Ohio State yeah, being right here. That's surprising. But there's nothing like it. So we, uh, we're we getting her off the ground. We started back in February with, I think, three kids. Now we're up to about 25. Wow. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. We're about up to 25 guys now. Um, and, you know, it's going really great. It, it's fun interacting with these guys all the time and teaching them and trying to get them to maximize their high school career because, you know, I don't, I don't care if you're fourth string freshman offensive tackle or a five-star recruit, I want to help you get better and teach you the right way to play the game. That's awesome. Now you also, on top of this, you, you coach some high school ball too out there, right? I mean, that was a season or so a high school ball and how was, uh, you know, putting your coaching hat on and, you know, some of the things that you've, you know, cause it's one thing to play and then it's mm-hmm. another thing to be able to, to take what you've learned and then talk through it, um, you know, to other players and, and it, you know, have them absorb it. So I'm sure you've learned a lot over, over your career and even the, even coaching in high school, I'm sure that was an experience that you've learned a lot from as well. Um, yeah. You know, how, how does that translate from the coaching here for five dot, you know, what, do, what is, the kid, a kid who's signing up for this, what are they going to get? You know, is it a couple weeks of a course? Are they going to do some film or what do they get uh, from a coaching standpoint from you? Yeah. So last fall when I coached at uh, the high school here, right down the road, it was an alert, a learning experience for me because I've just been so conditioned over nine years to be extra detailed in everything that we do. And after about a week or two, I'd be talking to the guys and you could just start to see, their heads spinning (laughs) (laughs) just because there is like a disconnect between what I was saying and what I was getting across. So, sorry. 
so that was that was really helped me how to figure out how to coach high school kids um and then as for what we do here we operate in four week blocks um i offer guys on field sessions and in the classroom during the season i'm not going to coach them on field but i'm going to have my guys come in teach them how to watch film not just stare at a screen mindlessly <laughs> how to study their opponent yeah. and we're going to come up with a game plan for who they're going against each week so that they can maximize their opportunity for playing for playing football that's sick and yeah. the facility looks i mean it looks beautiful I, I took what is it is it the spot the spot athletics or something it looks beautiful yeah yeah it's uh it's a pretty phenomenal facility it's twenty thousand square feet has a 50 yard turf in there um it's actually where I trained at when we first moved here in the summer of 2019, two years ago. So I worked out there, got to know the guys pretty well. And I mean, it's, it's a great place. It is. So if guys awesome. want extra speed, agility, strength training stuff, they go through the spot. Oh, they just too. do all the football stuff. So it's all right there. It's kind of one-stop shop for guys. And is it your, are you the only coach? You have a, a, a couple other coaches under you or. So right now I, I'm the only full-time coach. Um, nice. I have a guy who I coached with last year coming in and help me every so often when I get more than eight guys. Yeah. So the coach to player ratio is pretty small. Sure. Um, he played at Kentucky, had a cup of coffee with the Eagles for a while. Um, but so he comes in and helps me, but other than that, it's just me and, you know, trying to teach these guys to That's awesome. play fast. Look That's the biggest thing it. with high school guys is they don't, they just try and throw their shoulder on a guy and they stop. Now you, you keep finishing that dude <laughs> on the ground. That's right. Oh, yeah. So. These, these facilities, you know, there's, um, you know, I played high school ball. We never had this kind of stuff when I was coming up and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this is, is, it's essential. You know, I coach, my son's six, you know, we coach, we coach flag football, but there's other coaches that do tackle uh, in the, in our, um, in our group or our, our um, community teams. And they just, they just don't know what they're doing. I, I wish there was more stuff like this around here in the Austin area, but you have, mm -hmm. to, go to, you have to go to like Lakeway and stuff where like Drew Brees and those guys live. Cause like, mm -hmm. it's just an uppity type of town like that. You know, this is kind of, you know, you're in Columbus, you know, it's a lot of blue collar folks. you got a lot of talented mm -hmm. kids. You just need, just need the opportunity to write coaching. And this is awesome that you're doing this. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know any, I don't know shit about offensive line work, you know, <laughs> but there's, you know, you're teaching these kids techniques, how to move their feet. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, with offensive line work, moving their feet. What is, um, I guess, long-term, you know, what is, what's the plan with five guy? Are you looking to get college guys in there? Are you looking to work with some of the Ohio state kids? Obviously there's more than Ohio state out there, but there's Miami, Ohio, there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, Akron, you know, other college programs out there. Are you looking to mm -hmm. get guys ready for the draft combine? What's, what's the long, long-term, long-term play? Yeah. I mean, uh, next year we'd love to get more college guys in, especially during this period as they're ramping up to go off to campus. Um, and, pre-draft next year i'm going to talk to my agent see if i can't help him out somehow if he has any new o-lineman guys that uh he just signed have him send him out here for pre-combine stuff to work with the spot um so the owner of the spot used to be a world champion power lifter yeah wow. uh, trained at west side barbell all that and he opened up this this place and another one here in columbus so 
we'd get him right on the speed and agility drills and hone his technique. Um, so yeah, uh, eventually I'd love to get college guys, NFL guys, you know, start getting the, the science behind how guys move. Um, the speed and agility coach at the spot is he's a freaking genius. He has like two master's degrees in strength and conditioning. And yeah, so we, I, I've been working closely with him on how guys move and it, uh, it's just trying to get it off the ground level and seeing where this thing takes us. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you guys are following at five dot Academy on Twitter. And I want to say it's five dot Academy on Instagram as well. So hit the follow button, uh, give Mike your support, um, doing great things with that. And, uh, um, you know, maybe we'll see some of your, cause I, I plan on going to senior bowl again. I worked, we, like I said, we did, we had Joe Staley on Joe had mentioned he worked with Dylan mm-hmm. Redons and Spencer Brown. And both those guys were at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely dominating. So hopefully, you know, those college guys you work with end up at an East West shrine game or a senior bowl. And they're like, Hey, I work no with question. this like, person. That's just going to get more, um, more love out there for your, for your program. Um, you know, since you're, you, since you're coaching now, I think just a real quick, um, you know, you, you played in the league, you know, the Niners drafted a right guard. You played guard all your career or most of your career. Mm-hmm. Aaron Banks thoughts. I love it. I do. I do. I mean, I love it for not just the Niners, but I love it for McGlinchey because it gives McGlinchey a little bit uh, more confidence going with a Notre Dame buddy, you know, um, gold domers, right? Gold domers. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> But no, I, I love it. I, I think I think he'll fit in really well, you know, and it's just not letting the playbook overwhelm you. That that's the big thing, especially for young guys who come into this offense because it's a complicated offense, but once you learn it, it's not that complicated. It's not. Mm. Um, so or yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean I, I just I know we've been going almost an hour. Just there's a couple of questions here. If you if you don't mind, Mike, no, are you, no, you good on no time. Problem. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so this one comes from uh, F. Garcia. He said, "What's tougher for What's tougher for you, getting through Kyle's practices, or learning his playbook?" Uh, at first, learning his playbook. I mean, your head's going to be spinning. The <laughs> run game's not too bad, but the amount of different screens that he has off of every single run and play actions that I mean. It's insane. We'll have oh, 10 geez. different screens in for a game or 10 different play actions. And that doesn't include the nakeds, the nakeds or the boots. Um, so wow. learning that at first is a lot harder than getting through Kyle's practices because Kyle's practices, once you're, once you've done it a couple of times, yeah, it's fast paced, but you know what to expect. You get in, you get your work done, you do it right, do it the right way. And then you're out, but learning that playbook that, I mean, I'd been in it for three years and I was still learning stuff in 2019. Is it, it's constantly evolving. Kyle's always yeah. adding. Okay. Constantly evolving. Sense. And I mean, that's why he's so successful is because he doesn't just rest on what worked last year. He finds new ways to tweak stuff and improve on it. I mean, we saw that in the Super Bowl, the, that, that reverse toss thing, you know, he yeah. added the, uh, he added the use check kind of loop background. Like, Oh, yeah. you thought we're going this way. We're going up. Oh, we're going this way. So yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely love Kyle. Um, question was, you know, what's the biggest, what is your greatest memory of your NFL career? Oh, probably meeting my wife, my rookie year. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's by far the number one best memory that I've had. <laughs> Did you meet her in California or? Yeah, after the Saints game. Okay. 
Okay. Um, that uh, maybe win the game and right, and you want you got your wife. wife. That's and crazy. Wife, so. oh, wow. Yeah, I've been. That's a story right there. With her. Yeah, that, that's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, Mike, um, I don't. Hey, I have one you. question for oh, him. Fred, I, good, one good. question, Mike. So you're you're out in Columbus, right? Yeah. So I was just there coaching my daughter not too long ago. I was in Columbus. I, I live in Pennsylvania, so drove okay. drove out outside of Philadelphia. So drove out there, and I don't know if you've ever. I I ate at one of the best, and I didn't think Columbus would have good tacos. I'm not going to lie to you, but I <laughs> ate at this awesome taco joint called Condados. Have you Condado ever eaten is, there? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like what? And this is not a shot. Like I I I am just so randomly good. talking. I first of all, Columbus exceeded my expectations, not ever being there before. And uh, <laughs> it was a really cool city, super yeah. dog friendly. Everyone had their dogs yeah. out. And we were hanging out. And I had and I know Javi, you're in Texas, so you're you know, taco partial and taco partial. But yeah. I couldn't believe I had one of the best tacos I've ever had in Columbus, Ohio. Like I yeah. that blew my mind. They have one that's like 10 minutes from our house. And okay. I can't tell you how many I mean, times a week I ate there. Yes. I ate that. I was there for like three days and I'm pretty sure I ate there at some point all three days. I had like so two or three tacos. So I, that was nothing to do with football, but Columbus, Ohio. That was it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Mike, um, let the folks know where they can find you. Twitter, yes. Instagram, websites, whatever else you're doing outside of Five Dot or even just Five Dot itself. Where else, where else can people find you? Where can they, where can they you know, make sure they're following you and supporting you? Yeah, I'm not too active on Twitter with my personal profile, but uh, that one's at MikePerson68. And then everything else is for 5. Dot, at 5. Dot Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're trying to make something special here. And hopefully we, I get a guy or two that ends up out in the Bay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, hopefully you get guys in the league and guys in college. Now, I'm still waiting on T-shirts from Adam Snyder. You know, it's been oh, I got you. Two Don't years, worry. you know, it'd be I wear an XL French tie, wearing a large. <laughs> Just saying, a five dot offensive line T-shirt would be awesome. Um, but you know, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Yes, um, we're gonna you get bet, out of guys. here. Uh, this is the fourth and gold podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Hollywood underscore. Follow follow my guy Fern at DZ zero eight eight zero, and uh, we'll be back sometime next week. But until then, everyone stay safe. Go Niners. Niners. Thanks, Mike. Later, guys. Uh,